Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey everyone, I've got a good one for you. I just got done recording with Greg McHale from Wild Yukon. We discussed everything from his adventure races to life in the Yukon moose hunting, sheep hunting, uh, and a lot of raising boys or raising kids. And even if you're not a father, mother, uh, I think there's definitely something here to, to learn from being a mentor standpoint or a uncle or aunt. I think there's some really good life lessons there. Definitely a challenging and a motivating thing. Definitely humbling. Uh, I feel like I take my kids outside, but Man, I, uh, it's definitely a humbling experience to see what other people are doing. And unfortunately, I went into this interview a little unprepared with looking into the interview, uh, interviewee and who I was interviewing. And it's so crazy to think there's so many people out there that have these amazing stories. And I, and I ran upstairs after recording and said, just a smile on my face. And my wife asked how it went. And I said, it's great. There's just so many wonderful people in the circle of the hunting world, and I love chatting and connecting with them. And it's fun, uh, and this doesn't have to be. Uh, this is fun for me, uh, but when you get connected with somebody, um, whether that's another another hunter, another listener of some sort, and you uh, hear their story and what they are get passionate about. It's really cool to hear those stories. So this is one of those for me. I enjoyed it. I loved it. And uh, um, go check his stuff out, www.moosehuntgiveaway.com. Check that out. And then also uh, and go to my Instagram, and you'll be able to, to find that there. You'll be able to check out Greg's stuff, Waypoint, Carbon TV, YouTube, uh, and all that sort of thing. So great great episode with greg and i'm excited to share that with you too bad i had to wait after recording that to get it out um just because i had others in the in the queue so enjoy again and again if you wouldn't mind th- um, if you would follow like subscribe wherever you listen thanks
All right, Greg, thanks for joining me on the podcast. And uh, we uh, just got to know each other, just barely. And so uh, we're going to continue down that pathway, learn a little bit about each other. So why don't you introduce yourself a little bit, and we'll get started talking about hunting in Alaska. Yeah, Clint. Well, thanks uh, for having me on. Um, I appreciate it. And yeah, understanding or learning a little bit about your, uh, really your education background and have the education that you're, you're giving to people now and the ability to be able to go out and teach new people how to hunt that's, uh, and fish. That's, that's pretty awesome. So um, I think the industry should be thanking guys like you for bringing more people in. Um, so thanks for having me on. Um, my name is Greg McHale and I live up in the Yukon, which next to Alaska. So yeah, I spent my um, better part of my life up here now and hunting is uh, a huge part of that. Um, it's just been the Yukon and the North is a pretty amazing place to live and, and more of a spectacular place to hunt. So yeah, again, thank you for having me. Yeah. I said, Alaska, I meant Yukon in my, yep. And yeah, we're pod- cousins. Yep. We're cousins. <laughs> and I should know your, your podcast called, uh, wild Yukon, correct? Well, the television show, television is, yeah. show. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm so ignorant on this. You got to catch me up. <laughs> so, um, but you're it's all good. Yeah, you got a podcast as well. So, little uh, plug Negative. here. Negative. No podcast. No. Okay. No. Then we're just connecting through Waypoint. All right. We are connecting through Waypoint. Okay. Right. Perfect. On the so other my, side, the TV side. So my television show is now on Waypoint, mm, and I okay. think that that's where uh, that's where the connection is. Oh, awesome. Awesome. So what, uh, what is your fall looking like? What do you got, uh, planned so far? Well, generally speaking, um, everything starts August one and it's the, you know, three months of hunting is really 90% of my hunting season. So everything starts off for me with sheep. Uh, sheep hunting is just what I, what I live for when it comes to, when it comes to hunting. So everything is built around sheep season and after sheep season, I generally call that kind of mid September. So I get anywhere from, you know, three to six weeks of, of sheep hunting. Um, yeah, I shouldn't say that because at the end, you know, often I've done a number of, you know, late, late season sheep hunts, but yeah, that's uh, that's what it's what it's about, and then I get into moose after after sheep and caribou and goats, and so yeah, we really try to tick off as many boxes uh, a year as I as I can, and it's my thing is big game mountain hunting is kind of where I've found my home and where I love to spend most of my most of my time is in the mountains. Yeah, and uh, I'm missing a a piece here. What? Tell me, tell us a little bit about your background, kind of what you, what you've done, what you, and uh, what it took to to get you here. Yeah, um, I'll try to give you the the quick rundown. Grew up in Ontario, which is six thousand kilometers, like four thousand miles from here. I couldn't have moved any further away and live still lived in my same country. So mm-hmm. it was, and it was. Uh, Post-university, as soon as I graduated, my girlfriend at the time, which is my wife now, um, her and I packed up her Plymouth Sundance and we moved to the Yukon, never to uh, never to return to Ontario. And it's been a, an amazing, you know, an amazing journey. And uh, we just, we left 
you know, we left the center of uh, Canada to pursue the wilderness and adventure. I spent the majority, you know, I spent from the moment that I got here, it was about finding, you know, the adventure in and through hunting. So one of my first jobs in the Yukon was a packer for a guy or an outfitter in Northwest Territories right on the Yukon border. And that's kind of where I cut my teeth in, in the hunting world, um, in the big game hunting world, other than what I grew up with, with, you know, birds and whitetail back home. And I've spent, you know, the last 26 years, 25 years, whatever it is now, just pounding around the mountains and making a, making a life of it. Um, you know, with a, I wouldn't say that I've been in the hunting industry my, my whole life. I've guided off and on and I was a member of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police for a period of time. And I left that to pursue business interests and which uh, then evolved into, you know, a production company and filming our own hunts. So now it's, uh, that's what I do is I am fortunate enough to run around the hills and, you know, I'm, I'm a pilot, so I get to fly all over the Yukon and just explore these amazing wilderness that we, that we have here. Like in the Yukon, I, I believe it's similar size or maybe just a touch smaller than Texas. And, um, you know, we have 35,000 people and the rest mm. is just wilderness and mountains and rivers and wildlife and there's no better place in uh on the planet to to hunt big game in my opinion just by virtue of the fact that we have very limited population so it's uh it's a it's been a great journey it's been an amazing life and it's uh it's a long way from over and expansive territory i'm assuming i haven't been in that that country but you look on a map it's huge. It's got to be just expansive and access. I'm I'm assuming is quite hard to get to. Yeah, we basically have you know three highways that run through this whole territory, and you know obviously small minor roads might branch off of that. But the the beautiful thing for for me is the aircraft and the ability to get into places that just nobody sees. And nobody, you know, with the exception of maybe outfitters in that area, but it's, yeah, it's just big, big country with big mountains and huge valleys and just, it's a, it's a playground. That's a life we all can't live. (laughs) As you say that, I just think about that and, and we, many, many hunters, I'm not going to say all, because many people love to sit in their, their tree stands, which is great. Uh, that are a couple hundred yards from the truck, totally fine. Um, that's still hunting, and you're a part of that community, part of the same community, just do it a little differently. Uh, but yeah. but it's a different different lifestyle that, or, or hunting lifestyle, we'll say that is for many people, many of our listeners, even Coloradans, were which were a majority of my listeners, it's hard to fathom sometimes the. The uh, and you see all the time on shows like yours of that plane flies away and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I've never done that, but I'm just watching and seeing, kind of realizing that same sort of thing that when I'm in our our backcountry, I feel that small 
I feel the danger. I feel the, that little bit of, oh crap, home's a long ways away and it's going to take me a long time to get there. And, and you, it, I'm a family man. So it's, it's hard to be away from home for me sometimes, even though it's just a few days, it's hard for me to be away because I feel like I'm, I'm helpless. I can't help them if something happens or, or whatnot. So, um, I, that, that big country is, is, uh, it's intimidating. I think that that, um, you know, that feeling of helplessness that you, that you can't be there to solve the problems is just, is almost for me, it's almost a way of life because, um, and then, you know, you prepare your family and you prepare everyone around you, um, for this lifestyle. Um, and I think that when you, when you live in a place like this, it's, it is a lifestyle. It's, it's, it's not something that you choose. It's just, this is the way it is. Unless mm-hmm. you can live in the city, which is, you know, 30,000 people or whatever it is, you can live there and not go out into the wilderness. But, you know, for me, and it's always been that way from the time, you know, my wife and I first moved here is I was um, into mountaineering. Um, I would go away on three week mountaineering trips and climbing McKinley and Mount Logan and like the highest mountains in North America. And, and so it, it's just what we do. And my wife is a tremendous athlete and her and I have raced together all over the world, adventure racing. Um, we did that professionally for about 10 years. So we, you know, we understand it's just part of our life. And I get what you mean when you say like that you, you can't help them and you can't, um, when you're back in the, in the wilderness here and you know, you, there's no cell service. There's like, well, now there's in reach and there's sat phones and stuff like that. But you know, even here's an example of one of my, um, you know, Dave, our camera guy, he, you know, we were on a bison hunt and his, his wife went into labor, like, like, uh, I think it was six or eight weeks early. And oh, we had planned, you know, the season, okay, this, this hunt, this, we're going to have lots of time. And, you know, I had, we had taken dog team back into, you know, the middle of nowhere and it's minus 30 and we get an in-reach message or, um, saying that, uh, Dave, you know, needs to, needs to get out. Um, and then shortly thereafter, we get another message that, you know, she's already on an airplane heading to Vancouver. Like there is nothing you can do. You can't come out of this country, like just, you know, when you want to leave. And it took us two days to get, you know, to get Dave out to a road. Um, and that's, that's just part of, you know, everything turned out great. Um, beautiful baby girl, everything. And, you know, he got, he got down there two days after that. So he couldn't just get out of the Yukon either. <laughs> so yeah. this is, this is a way of life up here. And, um, it's, uh, it's, you just accept it and it's, it's probably, it's actually, it's what makes it special that, that not at any moment you just cannot be reached. And when I go into the bush in August, you know, for weeks, some, you know, months at a time, I'm kind of not completely off the grid, but you know, I'm about as uh, off the grid as you can possibly get. And that's kind of the beautiful thing about it too. Um, you know, you can't help your, if there, if something goes wrong, yeah, you can't help, but hopefully you prepared the people or 
in your life that uh, they can handle these things and this the community chips in it's just a it's a different way of life up here and um and i think that everyone to could have an opportunity to experience it by coming into a place like here or alaska or you know and just getting off the grid where um and just to see whether you like it or not because it's not for everybody sure <laughs> it's absolutely. not for, it's not for every hunter yeah like yeah i I realize that for most of us in the lower 48 here in the U S where sheep hunting is, is off the table for most. And it's something that is almost unattainable, um, either financially or just ability to draw tags. That's, that's the majority of it. And, uh, that alone in your kind of country is what freaks me out. <laughs> the the uh, steepness and the uh, the terrain that part I think would get me but um, more so I want to ask you a question just uh, because your adventure races I know that those are what are they 50 or 100k I mean I know there's a few different ones what are they yeah well most of the adventure racing that we did was what they call expedition style racing um, from 400 to a thousand kilometer nonstop races. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that's unfathomable. I don't, I, that's incredible that, that you're able to, to do those. That's amazing. Um, so you understand that, that, uh, separation right there, the, maybe the, maybe, are you doing that with somebody? Um, yeah. So okay. generally speaking, adventure racing is, um, comprised of four teammates and you start together and you have to finish the race together. If you drop somebody or if somebody gets injured, your race is over. Um, so yeah, the team aspect, um, I believe that it's the most difficult sport on the planet and it's this sport requires the highest level of teamwork than any other sport out there because the courses are, you know, these just, they take days and days to complete and you do it on next to no sleep and you're doing multiple disciplines from paddling kayaks to, you know, mountain biking to trekking and all map and compass navigation, no GPSs. It's all old school, just human powered. And you get the race course typically the day before the race starts and you have to map out the checkpoints that you must hit and it's um it's an unbelievably difficult sport both mentally and physically and i was fortunate that um the at the you know the sharpest end of the adventure racing world it's the teams are co-ed so you must have at least one male or one female on every team and it just so happens that my wife is an amazing athlete and we um we started this adventure racing journey together and you know we raced for some of the best teams in the world and best teams in the united states and canada and europe uh, during our career so we we were fortunate to be able to travel all over the world together and uh just have these amazing experiences so yeah it's uh it's it's a it's an amazing sport it's it's and again not for everybody it's so demanding on you know all fronts that uh you really it tests you and you'll find out who you are real quick and everybody else on your team will find out who you are real quick as well 
<laughs> right. And, and I can already tell, and just in the short amount of time here, the the mental toughness, the physical toughness is required for sure. Either the hunts, the, the adventure race, whatever, there is absolutely some incredible mental and physical toughness there. Uh, and I know that some of the folks down here, hunters really struggle sometimes with back to that, that fear again of being alone or fear of the unknown or just fear of whatever. How, how did you, how do you, um, deal with, with feelings like that or, um, yeah. Yeah. I, so, so I really don't anymore, but that was, that's just because of years of, yeah, yeah, I'm of sure. chasing it. I really, I, I think that I chased the, the fears so that I could overcome them. Um, certainly part of the, those, those things that were, were going to be challenging, that were scary, that was part of it that makes it exciting for me. And I know that same thing is what makes it um, nerve wracking for others that they would never even, you know, go there. But I know that when you, when you chase your fears, when you, you know, you go beyond where you thought you could go, that's where the zest in life actually is. Hmm. And when I'm sitting out, like I flew out to, um, we have a cabin in the mountains and I just took my two kids out there this past weekend. And, you know, you shut the airplane off and there's just you and you have two little people that, you know, require you to survive. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, you know, if I died, they could probably walk their way out to civilization. Mm -hmm. They, they could do it, but at, at seven and nine years old, but you know, you shut that plane down and, it's just you and them in the middle of nowhere. And I, I think I've grown to have, to have this, that experience of itself when it's, when I'm sitting there looking at the mountains, it just me, makes me, the one thing that comes to my mind is that life is, this is what life is about. Life is right at this very moment. And I just require that, that, I require that wilderness and that the, the, the challenge and the get away from everybody. And I think that that's, you know, when I, when I look back on my career of adventure racing or mountaineering or, you know, hunting now, it's about, it's about facing those fears and going, you know, going all in to, to make sure that, you know, you know who you are and you know what you can handle when, when stuff is really bad that you can just deal with it because you've dealt with way harder in the past. That's how I look at life. Hmm. No, I, I, uh, I like that approach. And as you're saying that I'm trying to picture, uh, make this relatable to me and, and my hunts. And I'm trying to think of where was I pushing myself? Was I afraid in any of these moments and how was I dealing with this? And I seem to have a pretty level temperament anyway, where I don't freak out about things. Uh, and it, like you said, you just deal with it. I was on a lake last night in my little POS 16 foot aluminum boat for the first time and with my four year old and he, here comes the thunderstorm rolling in and that motorboat or that little motor is not completely reliable. Uh, 
had about 30 seconds of freak out for a little bit of, okay, start this thing. I know how to start this thing. <laughs> and then yeah. buzz on back for, but I had that same, same thought process. So of, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in charge of this little guy and he has to get home <laughs> and he can't do that on his own. He's four. Yeah. He can't. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. how do I raise him to be able to do that and be, be comfortable with it? And, and so uh, I, I'm just using what you're saying. Cause I, is, there's so many different things I'd, I'd love to take this, but uh, I'm seeing a little avenue, another little avenue here. I'd like to ask you about It's just, what have you done with your, your seven and nine year old to, to, uh, to train them up on that. And obviously time in the, at the, the cabin in the woods does it, but what do you, what are the conversations like that you have with kids that are training them for, for those survival situations? Yeah. Um, well we, when we're at the, at the cabin per, you know, say, say, cause we often, you know, try to get out there when we can. And it's conversations like, okay, what, you know, just teaching them just, asking them questions and teaching them as you go along, like, okay, what way is North? What direction, you know, would you go if you had to walk out of here? And, you know, what side of the, you know, the river would you walk down and how would you know that you're traveling in the same direction? All of these things. And then, you know, when they give answers, right or wrong, you know, you, if it's wrong, you know, you correct them and you talk. And, um, well, one, one, one of the things we do, especially in, in that particular situation, is that um, instead of flying in sometimes, or, you know, actually a couple of years ago, so my daughter was four and my son would have been six. Um, we, instead of flying in, we took a boat and then we hiked in. And it's like five mile bush bash um, from this lake to the lake that our cabin is on. And you know, just having them have those experiences, those difficult journeys and putting them in difficult situations. So it becomes normal. Hmm. Like the, that's, that's what I do to my kids all the time. Right. Like I, I we have a, we have an, a, a, I build a rink in the backyard and at 20 minus 20 to minus 30, we're outside on the rink in the winter time. You know, it's cold. It's, you know, just putting them in, physically challenging situations and then seeing how they deal with it mentally and then correcting them along the way. And, and I do a, a pile of positive, positive talk um, as far as like, you can do this. You've got this. Um, look at your mom and I, we, you know, we didn't know how to do these things and we learned and that's how we, that's how we grow. And that's how we learn how to deal with difficult situations. So whether it's, you know, really it's preparing them, not necessarily the physical things aren't going to be difficult because they're already very, you know, they've had a lot of years. It's going to be, you know, dealing with, um, kind of the, the busyness of life, I think is going to be where a lot of kids are challenged because kids are way tougher than we give them credit for like way tougher than we give mm. them credit for. We are the problem. And, and certain, I don't know how old you are, Clint, but my generation like this 40 to 50 year olds, we like, we're the worst, this helicopter parent crap. Like, yeah. Oh, you know, Johnny can't, uh, can't swing on the monkey bars. Cause he's going to fall off and get hurt. Like, come on. It's the worst thing you can do. Like, right. especially little boys, like little boys need to get, 
need to break stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like they need to, you know, skin their knees and their elbows and get in fights and, you know, but we're just in a, we're, we're in a world that right now that and I'm going off on a tangent, but you know, when it comes to children and, you know, raising, raising kids, I'm super passionate about, about providing your kids with all of the tools to be successful in every aspect of life. You know, if they sit and play video games and they don't interact with people and they don't, you know, get hurt and they don't, they're not out physical, being physical, then they're, they're pigeonholed into one direction. That's city life. And, you know, sitting on a computer and probably at a desk in a cubicle, you know, that's, that's where my brain goes, where I would love for my kids to, if that's what they chose to do, that's a choice that they, that they have, but they have so many other options that they could explore because they've been, um, they've been inundated with all of these different things in their life. And now they have options. That's my goal. I'm in my mid thirties and four year old and a three month old. So the conversations are really starting to ramp up with that four year old on what it is that we're doing and how we're doing it. And it's a fun challenge. And I, I really analyze myself as a father of like, how am I raising this kid? Mm-hmm. How am I, am I, I think all the time of how do I make them tougher? How do I, how do I teach them to be an outdoor kid? And uh, in this world, it's very easy to be inside all the time. And, yeah. and I, and I think you give some advice there that, and how you approach that, that is not what I've heard elsewhere. So I think that's, that's helpful. Um, I think the superpower for our, like our young kids now is going to be the being outside and being, you know, not being afraid to go and explore. Mm -hmm. And because, because you, I don't know if you live in the city or not, but if you're a city kid and you get out to the wilderness and you've never been taught those kind of things, you will be afraid. Like it's a bears and it's all these other, you know, whatever mountain lions or whatever it is, there's always something to be afraid of. And, and I don't teach my kids to be afraid of those kind of things. Don't be afraid of bears. Like you live in, you know, you can have a healthy respect for bears and this, these are the things that you, you need to do, but to don't be afraid of them because then you won't go, you won't go into those you know, and right. have these amazing experiences. If your fear holds you back, like a healthy fear is great, but one that holds you back is not a healthy fear. So therefore educate yourself in whatever it is and, you know, go out and have those experiences. And by uh, us as parents, we're the, we are the problem because we portray our fears onto our children and then they pick that up. Oh, it's the truth. That's the absolute truth. And it's happening right now as a four-year-old. And I can see it. When we walk through the Omaha and Nebraska Zoo and just the things he's seen and absorbed from everywhere is this is scary, this is not. And we had that conversation through the entire zoo. No, they're not that scary. No, they're not that scary. Like we stay away from rattlesnakes. I trained, we went to a rattlesnake training class for my dog because we i wanted my dog to not get bit by a snake or go get smacked in the face 
because it goes and sniffs it. So I brought my, at the time, three-year-old so he could hear that rattle. And now we're working on what is that sound when you go out to your playground, you got to, we got to check for snakes first. That's the first thing we got to do is we got to kick the the slide. We got to look in the sandbox, make sure there's no snakes. And so far he's been just jumping right in there, but there's a few areas. I'm really glad you said, said this and it'd be nice if my wife listened to my own podcast once in a while. Uh, just to, uh, cause I, these are my thoughts and I, and I haven't been able to get them out. So I, I, yeah. so your son is four years old, right? Yes. Yep. Okay. Like it is your job to raise a man, right? You, your wife is not going to raise a man. No, no, she's not, <laughs> she can't. And it's a good, it's a damn good thing. She can't, uh-huh. right? She like, she can raise a daughter. I guarantee you that, but she cannot raise a man. Your job is to raise a man that is going to protect his wife and his family. When and that's what we are losing in society now. See, I get revved up about this because this this is one thing that, like, I my job as a parent now. I've done. I've I've had an amazing life, and I'm going to continue to have an amazing life. But. My job right now for this finite period of time is my job is to raise a family, obviously, but to raise a man that will protect his family when he has his own, right? So he has to have the tools that his mom can't teach him. His dad has to teach him just like my daughter. I can't teach my daughter how to be a woman. Right. Right. How to, you know, how to nurture, how to be like, um, I, I can't, and it's not, it's not as, you know, and that's the, the beautiful thing about having two parents. And, um, obviously, you know, I'm, well, I'm passionate about having two parents that are active in, in a family. And obviously if you can raise the, the best parents, you know, the best families and people are going to kill me for saying this, but I believe that a husband and a wife raising their children together is going to provide, you know, the optimum growth for that, for that child. Sure. So no, that's, I, so again, yeah, your job with your son is to teach him to be a man and that's it. Like, I like it. No, that's pretty straight to the point and humbling. <laughs> and I tell you what, going back to, uh, the, helicopter parent piece is I didn't think it'd be as hard as it is. It's hard and I let go, but man, I don't want my kid to get bit by a snake. (laughs) That's my, (laughs) that's my concern. I just, I, I, I took, I've taken my kid in my backpack and I've, and I've been out where I probably shouldn't have been taking him, but he was fine and I was in control. And we were, he's up on my back as a little kid, pointing out rubs and poop and whatever else and having those adventures. And one of my favorite things to do is when that little kid is on your back and he's chirping about this and that in your ear. And I'm going to miss that with my four-year-old because he's getting to that point where he's got to start walking. And the the three-month-old, he can't do much more than blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Yeah, right. Well, I got to – so I'm I'm interested in when you say that you had him on your back in places that you probably shouldn't have. What – like, can you paint me a scenario where where that makes – 
that were yeah it doesn't right, have to make right. sense so to me, but that the when what I mean by that is the the places where the common person would say you shouldn't be taking the helicopter parent just like you're saying your generation and in right. my generation very much so the uh, taking taking them where it, it's not safe necessarily but it is like I am yeah, trained it I is, am because you're I there know what I'm doing uh, if we have inclement weather I'm ready. I have I have the tools, I have the knowledge, I'm comfortable. And right. it's taking a little two-year-old at the time miles in. And, and that's not yeah. like a long, long ways in, but it's far enough that it just stretches my comfort and I'm sure would stretch a city person's extreme comfort uh, yeah. just by themselves, let alone with a kid. See, but that's, see, there lies the problem is that I think that, so, you know, you have the, the ability to deal with whatever comes up, your comfort in the back, your comfort in the back country is, you know, obviously it's great. You have your two-year-old on your back and our problem in society lies in that the helicopter parent is portraying their fears and their and their belief of what is right and what is wrong based on their ability their ability is nothing close to what yours is but yet we still we still take almost take their opinion into some sort of consideration and that's the problem is that you've got your 2 year old on your back and you're completely competent and they might not like that it's because they don't have the ability to do that and they would never be comfortable enough doing that and and that gets portrayed on us and that sucks. See, like, because I remember traveling in Argentina and our, our son was, maybe he was like three months old and we were backpacking in, you know, in the, in the Argent, like way back in the just beautiful Patagonia and like, there's nobody around and, you know, it's snowing out and we're in a tent and, you know, but these are the things that we and that's just normal for us. Hmm. So when you say, you know, I know exactly what you mean, but the problem is, is that those helicopter parents living in the city, they have an opinion of us who spend so much time outdoors and it's just a part of our, of who we are and what we do. And they are allowed to have an opinion. And, um, and I think that that's just crap <laughs> and I don't buy into it at all, but right. uh, I see, I know exactly what you're talking about. And the the helicopter parent, there's many of them that do look up to your style of parenting, and and I I believe that they wish wish that they could do that. I'm sure they could, but it, I I I am not at your level there either. I would I've got my limits, and I look up to that. I look up to that that uh, confidence that my kid and I can go and we can do this and. It, stretch, it makes me want to go yank my kid out of bed right now and go camping. <laughs> Wake up. We're going. We got to sleep yeah, in a tent I, tonight. <laughs> There's a thunderstorm coming. I don't care. <laughs> makes me want to go do that. Yeah. Well, thanks. But like, and don't misconstrue that. Like, I mean, we all have these thoughts, right? Like we all, you know, when you're, when your kid is, you know, when they're testing themselves, your, your natural instinct is to protect. But 
I believe that as fathers, we have to, you know, we, we have to beat that natural instinct down with our, especially with our boys. Um, and, and some people would say I'm being sexist just for saying, just for saying that. But I mean, I just nah. know, I know boys, right? right. I know men. Right. <laughs> and so that's, I can speak, uh, educatedly to that. I feel, um, but yeah, some it's, it's really just getting all of us like men, we need to get out of our comfort zone more. Cause if you don't get out of your comfort zone, how are you ever going to try to teach a child to get out of theirs? Like, mm-hmm. like, like your kids, I, kids are super smart and they see everything that's going on. And if you come home from work, you sit in front of the television and you know, you drink a beer or whatever it is every night. And that's, that's your normal operating procedure that becomes normalized for them. And that shouldn't be normalized. Mm-hmm. I don't believe. Um, sure. There's time for, there's time to, you know, to relax and, and these kind of things. But um, you know, I try to, and I'm not perfect at it, but I try to spend as much time as I can with my kids. Um, because what I'm realizing at nine years old, my son and my daughter at seven is that time flies. And I know that every parent that is, you know, their kids are out of the house will tell you the same thing. And, um, but time does fly and every moment is, is important. I, I feel, and, um, yeah, it's just, I'm in the business of building the little, uh, I'm building good humans, number one. And, um, with my son, I'm in the business of building men or a, a little man. And, um, my, my daughter of, you know, giving her everything that she needs to be successful and, uh, let my wife take, uh, <laughs> my wife take the lead on her. <laughs> well, that's awesome. But yet she's an, she's an outdoors woman. She's Oh ha- yeah, having yeah. said that, I mean yeah. I like she gets every opportunity that my son does. Right. So like my son has been on two sheep hunts hunts now. Um his first one was when he was seven um and uh eight years old, and now this will be his his third. Uh we've had we've got two two rams with my father. Um and my daughter, it's uh she's she's almost there. So you know, as a family, we have to go out on, you have to obtain a certain level of, uh, of continuation while like, hunt for the hunt. So say for a sheep hunt, if I'm going to take my son, it's like, okay, we need to be able to do this. We got to be able to climb this mountain and you got to do it without whining. That's my, that's my baseline. <laughs> so, so, you know, now my daughter is, uh, she's, she's there, she's super athletic and she's very tough and, and strong willed and she's uh she's almost ready to to take on a sheep punt so i mean yeah it's uh it's awesome well that's a good transition into a different sort of topic just sheep hunting look bumble knows you're exhausted by dating all the must not take yourself too seriously and six one since that matters and what do i even say other than hey (sighs) well that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are yeah. you focusing mainly, is it, is it mostly all doll up there? Or do you get the opportunity to go after stone as well? Yeah, generally, um, like we have way more doll sheep than we do stones. Mm-hmm. In the Yukon, um, you know, the opportunity to sheep hunt is, is about as good as it gets anywhere in the world. Like over the counter, we get a, a sheep tag for $10 and you can get out and you know, chase sheep, uh, chase sheep for three months. So, and, and we yeah. pay $50,000 to come shoot a stone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's it for me. Like I had, to, the writing was on the wall for me. I had to do a, one of three things is either win the lottery or, uh, or move, you know, move out here and become a, become a resident or, you know, the, the third one would have been have to, you know, win the other lottery, not just the monetary one. Right. The sheep tag lottery. Yeah, exactly. So is there, I, I know stone is what it is. Nobody's found a great way to do that for uh, a, 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 an affordable amount unless you, you move up there. Um, but what about doll is, and everybody looks at going to Alaska for that. Is there an opportunity for, for say, say folks like myself that to, to come up there to, to do it on a state salary, obviously we save our pennies for a hunt like that, but, um, what, what's the opportunity like for, for non-citizens? Well, I mean, I think that, that it's, it's the age old question is how bad do you want it? Right. Exactly. Um, and you know, have you got, it's one of those things on a, on a state salary. The reality is that it's, you're going to have to save for years and years mm-hmm. and you need to get your, and the way it is now, like, yeah, sheep hunting has become this. It, I guess, I think that it always has been a rich man's mm-hmm. game, but it's just becoming further and further out of reach. Um, as, as hunting, the more pressure on, on hunting and the, you know, the numbers, the fewer tags there, there is. Um, and it just becomes more sought after and the price just goes up and COVID has been, has not made that any better. Like the prices have just went way up since then because years of people that, you know, were on, it was on their bucket list. Now they've been pushed out years and a, you know, a couple of years more. So yeah, I don't see sheep hunting ever getting cheaper. That's, that's yeah. for, that's for sure. Uh, it's unfortunate that because it is such an amazing experience. Um, but I would, you know, I would probably say if, uh, if sheep hunting wasn't something that, you know, a person wanted to save for, I think, uh, and a fantastic hunt, uh, in similar conditions is, uh, is goat hunting mm-hmm. and much more affordable. And it's, uh, you know, every, almost every bit is, uh, as fun. I love goat hunting and that just, uh, that whole sheep thing. It's, it's really, really challenging. I did get to shoot a goat in Colorado and had a, had an amazing experience. 
absolutely amazing experience that's the picture on my screen there of of my goat hunt and uh just a unbelievable experience i absolutely loved it and and i'm gonna do it again i know and that is not a difficult tag to draw in colorado i mean it, it is but it's not like a hard 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 it's not a sheep a bighorn tag right um right and my buddy told me the other day, he's like, quit putting in for Colorado. Quit dropping your $100 for a point. And I was like, ah, that means I'll never do it. <laughs> it's like, right. I'm guaranteeing right. I'll never do it. I know yeah. there's a very slight chance that I'll be able to do it, but I got to keep trying. I just got to mm-hmm. do it. And I think more for me above the sheep, uh, because I have no... It is really just the the wonder, I guess, with that one. I, I don't make me an odd man out. I, I don't have this burning, burning desire that I'm going to go drop my 20 grand on a, a doll sheep. I yeah. am really interested in moose. Absolutely ah. moose or okay. or or goat, a go, doing a goat hunt again in Colorado or a, um, a, a Yukon or Alaskan moose. I, I, that interests me. There's something about that ginormous animal mm-hmm. and when it's close enough that I just can't help but not miss. <laughs> I can't miss. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you know what? Well, that's that's I think that that's a that's a great, you know, aspiration because you've done you've had you've had the mountain hunt in the goat hunt, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not out of the realm to have, be able to do that again. Now, you know, the twenty-five to thirty thousand dollars that you have to drop on a on a doll sheep hunt nowadays, um, you know, it's it's you're you're not that different from me. Like I don't have this burning desire to go and get a, a desert or a, a bighorn. Like I love the Yukon and I mm-hmm. love hunting right here. And I get all the satisfaction I need from that. And I don't need to have, you know, um, even if I could afford it, I I don't uh, don't see myself at this point that needing to pay seventy thousand dollars for a for a hunt that I know is not going to be half the experience of the ones that I've had, right? Right. So to to your point of of the moose, um, moose hunting is like is like one of my favorite things to do every year. Like sheep is number one, moose is number two. It absolutely is. It's uh, it's an experience. And like you started to paint the picture of, you know, these massive animals, you know, coming through the, you know, through the timber or along the riverbank, you know, after they've been calling them and they're full into the rut and their eyes are rolled in the back of their head and they're swaying those massive horns and they're just coming in. It's uh, it's something to be, you know, to be seen or, you know, watching two big bulls fight or, you know, it's, and the time of the year is spectacular because all the colors are out and yeah, it's, it's a, it's a magical experience. Um, I, I believe and moose hunting is, uh, absolutely do it. If I can't say it enough, do it. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I had to start another business <laughs> or a business when I, um, went to a little different salary, a little lower one. Yeah, and to offset that, so that's where that's where the it funds my hunting is really yeah. what that business does. So I'll be uh, 
it's been off the the list for a little while because I've had so many other Western hunting experiences here and from Colorado to looking at expanding to Montana and doing this and that, that I really should start a little, little savings account there to, for the moose and just keep that there as, as something maybe as a goal I do before I'm 50. Yeah. Well, you, you've got lots of time, but, uh, you keep this, uh, you keep the hunting thing going and who knows, maybe somebody wants you to come and hunt with them for nothing. Yeah. That sounds great. (laughs) Or, 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 you have, uh, you, you know, you put your name in for the lottery, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't, I, I don't know if, oh, as I even have a better one for you. So as a American, you can go to Alaska and you can self guide a mm-hmm. moose hunt. Yeah. Did you know that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I knew so, it was just I mean, not sheep it's not and that goat. Far. It's it's not that far out of the realm. You can uh, you can get your moose hunt in uh, in Alaska, and there's you got some great places to hunt there. So if you if you're gonna do that, just give me a shout. I'll give you some tips on where to go. There we go. Yeah, I I've, I've got this burning desire to do it with a bow, only for yeah. the sake of the close range, um, yeah. and having that giant animal. Um, I know we were talking about getting over some fears, but not gonna lie, a grizzly bears is a pretty deep fear. <laughs> Brown bears, it's a pretty deep <laughs> fear uh, because it's an unknown. And I didn't. Yeah. We don't have them in South Dakota historically. Yes, they're not here anymore. Uh, Lewis and Clark ran into them like yeah. all the time. But they're uh, they're so high on my list, and I already got my I already got my gun ready to go for it. <laughs> but but it's it's something I could get over for that experience gladly and, and go face that fear and have a, have a good hunt. So when I look at it with wanting to do with a bow versus a rifle, am I on track to having an awesome hunt or is it, do you have any suggestions there? Oh, no, I think that I think hunting moose with the bow is, is just an unbelievable experience. I've, you know, I try to, um, yeah, with, with this, depending on the timing and season, how my how my hunting season has gone, I try to take uh, an animal with the bow every year since producing the television show. And generally speaking, it's a, it's a moose, so mm-hmm. it's it's a fantastic experience getting up close to to them and you know grunting and just the whole. I would absolutely do it with a bow if uh, if you if you can. They're they're one of those animals that. You, when you can you call them in they will close that distance and really provide you a great opportunity to to make that happen and uh it's a big uh, it's a big target yeah because <laughs> i fall apart when i'm in front of a big animal <laughs> or a little animal uh but the i just had a an old timer um and he had to be 80 years old and probably right now he's 85 i don't know uh, he, he had told me that once and it just, had stuck that he said his best experiences ever as a hunter, as a bow hunter have been hunting moose and, and something that just the, the excitement and the thrill of a giant animal and the, and the response you get. That's why people love elk hunting. That's why they like turkey hunting. They like yeah. anything you call in duck hunting. You're getting to interact and talk with an animal and to interact and talk to an animal that, that is that large uh, with that kind of movement of swaying back and forth. It's just 
just something I I look forward to. I think it'd be amazing. Yeah. Well, just listening listening to you, uh, I think you're hooked and you're making me want to wish it was uh, <laughs> September. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah. And well, we'll uh, because we were dealing with some tech issues, we'll we'll kind of wrap it up here a little bit. But um, I, I, my my next challenge is is figuring out what my kids hunt are, and and I think and it has been my challenge over the last month because. I've been guiding turkey hunters, and my my boy's been saying, "When are we going? When are we going?" And what or this this fall? And he says, "We got to go to the tag store uh, to buy our tags." <laughs> and and th- we saw some some nice white tail out the window the other day, and and he was confused as to why we couldn't hunt them. It's like, well, we don't shoot everything we see, and we don't need to, and uh, and it's not hunting season, so we have those conversations. And yeah. so now I'm tasked with this. Okay, what's my hunt? that I'm taking him on this fall. But I think based on what you said, it's any one of my hunts I have planned. I could do any totally. one of them. I, I'm not doing anything crazy this year. And even if I was, um, who knows? Uh, there's why not? So, um, yeah. there's no reason why he couldn't c- come right along with me. And, uh, and for those listeners, as long as you're prepared, go for it. I, I think that's totally. a, uh, some really sound advice and and uh, good parenting advice <laughs> to be able to not be a <laughs> helicopter parent and and uh, let your kid be a kid. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's about as good as it gets, right there. Well, if you wouldn't mind, just uh, uh, if people want to to watch and and see the content you put out, where where are we going to find it? Yeah, well, first off, um, before we take off and uh, along the uh, the vein of moose hunting, is that. Myself and um, a number of my partners, which are, you know, Gunworks, Kuyu, Vortex, really right stuff. Um, we're teamed up with an outfitter here and we are giving away a moose hunt for 2023. I saw that. So, yeah. So, um, I think I signed uh, up. And I'm pretty sure I did. Did you? Great, yep. great. Because uh, that's an opportunity for uh, just an amazing prize package. I think that the, the value of the hunt is somewhere around $50,000. And, somebody's going to win it and it's not a matter of you know you don't have to pay a hundred dollar ticket or anything you just just get your name in and if you spread it with your friends um you know you get your name in more times so it's kind of a a pyramid effect uh but you just sign up at uh www.moosehuntgiveaway.com and it's uh yeah it's going to be a blast i'm going to guide and we're going to be in the uh yukon stone outfitting area which is a great area. I've hunted moose in there uh, a lot over the years. So it's, yeah, it's going to be a great experience mid September up here in the Yukon. Somebody's going to win it. So is that, uh, is that for 2023? Yeah. 2023. Perfect. So there's lots of time to prepare and um, yeah, whoever, whoever wins this is going to be uh, we're going to have a blast. That's for sure. Okay. Yeah. So, um, as far as where people can check me out, I get like the show and stuff. If you haven't seen it, um, we are on sportsman channel. We're on, you know, waypoint, obviously waypoint TV, carbon TV. Um, and you can catch some of the older stuff at, uh, you on YouTube as well. So it's just Greg McHale's wild Yukon that goes for everything, Instagram, Facebook, you name it. So yeah, okay. I really appreciate you having me on and I, I appreciate uh, your listeners. So if you're listening to, uh, to Clint, um, yeah, thank you very much. And, um, it has been great talking to you. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, sir. All right. Have a great evening.